You're insane. I tell you, I killed a wolf, a plain, ordinary wolf. Take this charm, the pentagram, the sign of the wolf. It can break the evil spell. Evil spell, pentagram, wolfbane. Oh, I'm sick of the whole thing. I'm gonna get out of here. Whoever is bitten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself. Oh, quit handing me that. You're just wasting your time. The wolf bit you, didn't you? Yeah, he did. People of earlier eras had various ways of identifying a potential werewolf. Physical features such as a monobrow, long, curved fingernails, or lowered ears were telltale signs that one might be a werewolf. In some cultures, it was believed that a werewolf could be revealed by cutting the person's flesh. If he or she was a werewolf, the werewolf's fur could be seen under the flesh. Today, the notion of believing in werewolves seems silly to most, but for those who lived hundreds of years ago, this was a common belief that helped many of them explain the unexplainable. Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. What sharp teeth you got, Grandma? Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hey guys, how's it going? Great. Doing well. This week, if you haven't guessed already, we're talking about werewolves. (laughs) A cornerstone of horror cinema since at least the 30s. I'm a big fan, personally, of the werewolf movies. I'm excited to talk about. So Kat and I uh, got together and decided on a couple of selections for us this week. Kat, what do you got? Ginger Snaps is a movie about two outcast sisters in high school who experience a traumatic animal attack. However, when the injured one recovers at an exponential rate and acquires a taste for carnage, the other must find a way to save her murderous sibling. Um, I really wanted to like this movie. It had all the makings of a horror movie that I would enjoy. Angst, moody girls, revenge, gore, 90s fashion. (laughs) But I thought it was just kind of lame. The relationship between the two sisters was weird and like darkly codependent. They had like a suicide pact and would get mad when the other one was like trying to form new relationships. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I didn't like it because I was the uh, unpopular uh, younger sister. Maybe it uh, hit a little too close to home for me. I don't know. It just kind of felt like, like unclimactic to me. Like I wanted more to happen like during the plot, I guess. Um, It was like it was trying to be the craft, but not succeeding. They were just two girls killing dogs, glorifying suicide, being like the goth mean girls that thought they were cool. 
I don't know. It was fine. Wow, I feel like this is kind of an upset because I love Ginger Snaps, and I usually don't like these teen, uh, these teen high school like I, '90s into the early 2000s era stuff. I usually hate all this stuff, but um, I'd like the use of the girls uh, doing the the fake suicides and the fake deaths. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Harold and Maud. Uh, Harold is always uh, setting up things to get attention, uh, like hanging himself or you know any, all these things. But they're not—he's not actually doing it. It's just like a theatrical thing. Um, but I actually, yeah, I like Ginger Snaps, and I thought that the uh, that B uh, looked exactly like the late great Dave Noyes. Wow! I don't know if anyone else saw that. She looks a lot like Dave Noyes. And uh, the other sister uh, looks a lot like my friend Janice. So, I don't know. Maybe I just, you know, that's what I did in high school. I smoked weed in the back of a sketchy van and um, looked for lycanthrope. But, I, I mean, the ending is really, really fake and cheesy. But I guess what I'd say about this movie from my perspective is that for me, it was memorable. For whatever reason, uh, I watched it and just some parts cut on. And it wasn't just because I was like in love with the main girl because I wasn't really that in love with her. Because I, I, I sense, I, I, sa- I saw you roll your eyes, cat, when I was like, oh, for some reason I like this. And you're like, oh, yeah, I bet you did. Yeah, we just automatically like any movie that has women in it. That's obviously our standard. Like, there's a woman in it. I love this. Chits. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I do love Ginger Snaps. I've been a big fan of this movie for a long time. This is on Shudder right now, or it's free on every free site there is pretty much out there. Tubi, Voodoo with ads, Crackle, Popcorn, whatever. Any of those uh, with ads, free sites, Ginger Snaps right now is on all of them. Um, this was written by Karen Walton, who would go on to write Ginger Snaps 2, Unleashed, and directed by John Fawcett. I saw this, um, I don't know, well over a decade ago probably. Uh, I loved it, and then I watched it again a couple years ago, thought it held up great, and I was excited to see it again now. holds up once again great. Uh, I love the whole opening with the stage deaths, these two sisters, they're Super goth. I don't know if maybe this hits a little close to home for Cat, maybe in a number of, of areas, but they do this thing where they take all these like death corpse pictures of each other. And so the whole opening of the movie is a montage of them in various uh, death poses, you know, under the lawnmower, impaled on a fence, you know, falling down the stairs. And it's also, you should note, a school project. Which well, I was makes getting, I, yeah, I was getting there. Thank you. Uh, and then it, it rolls all of those uh, those pictures into this as a presentation to their class, which gets them sent immediately to the guidance office. I wouldn't say they go around killing dogs. There are some unfortunate um, pet deaths through the course of this movie. They threaten dogs. Yeah, you kind of you're making it sound like uh, you know a mayhem band uh, situation, Lords of Chaos. <laughs> thing. Not dog gets it first scene of the movie. Animal gets Anytime it. the werewolf There's shows up, no... you're gonna you're gonna lose a few canines in the process. Alpha. <laughs> I guess. I think I just wanted more like human revenge deaths. Whatever. Well, anyway. lastly, I would say the the 
the most unique thing about this movie, you see all kinds of takes on the werewolf mythology, the cycle of the moon, uh, and you can put that in so many different contexts, and we'll see another one when we talk about the Wolf of Snow Hollow. I certainly have never seen the uh, menstrual cycle as metaphor for the werewolf. Certainly not something I've seen before. Uh, maybe it's been done uh, in other movies, but Ginger Snaps would be the first time that I've seen that. Kevin, what do you think of this? Oh, cat, 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 cat. I know, it's disappointing. <laughs> we are we are probably out of everyone on the show, you and I think have been in lockstep the most. Mm. We could enjoy movies like The Craft and, and you know, Poo Poo, Dave and Trent Away. This is this is a big blow. I could not dis <gasps> I could not disagree with you more. I love Ginger Snaps and I have a I have a really fond memory of Ginger Snaps because we haven't mentioned yet that it's a Canadian film. So back in 2000, I had heard of this movie and this is like pre bloody disgusting pre like tons of horror websites, but I knew about the existence of Ginger Snaps and it just so happened that I was taking a little vacation with my girlfriend now my wife to Montreal to Canada. And it happened to be at the time that Ginger Snaps was in the theaters. So one day we're walking down the street and we pass a the cinema and there's a great big Ginger Snaps poster. And I convinced my girlfriend, now wife, let's go see Ginger Snaps in theater. So I saw Ginger Snaps in a Canadian theater during its theatrical run. And Impressive. I have always had a special place in my heart for this movie. I love it. I love Emily Perkins who plays Bridget, the sort of, uh, I guess, more goth sister that you're talking about, Kat. We, we all know Catherine Isabel. You know, she's popped up on the show before, Freddy vs. Jason. She is Ginger and would go on to star in a number of horror movies. But I, I love it. I love how dark it is. I love how silly it is at times. I think the casting is good. I think the practical effects and the gore are great. Dave, you're right. The ending, you know, does get a little a little bit like, well, I, I've gone on the journey, so I'm going to be more apt to accept it than really dig into it. But I think this movie is, is awesome. I, I, I've watched it a number of times over the years, and it's it's one of my favorite werewolf movies of all time. Kevin, I wanted to, to talk to you about something. I wanted to uh, come clean. I do that a lot on this show, especially with you. Um, yeah, I usually it's financial for me, so I get I, I get more scared every time that you bring it up. So, <laughs> well, this this is a, a a little a little story, a little tale that I uh, it has to do with werewolves. Kind of, uh, I, I like to call it unawarewolf. Um, see, uh, last week during the episode, I was out here at the studio by myself, and they just stocked up the liquor cart over here, and I got a little drunk, and I was convinced that this was our week that we were picking and that when I was drunk that you must have somehow bamboozled me into picking one of these movies. Wow. <laughs> and I was angry uh, because my favorite werewolf movie is Late Phases. Oh, wow. And I was angry at myself for not being cognizant enough to express that I love that movie. But then... Uh, I was angry at you because I thought that maybe as my partner on the team, you would somehow, maybe your trailer did it or something, but um, I apologize. It was like I was blacked out, that moment of werewolf where they can't account for a certain part you know, of the night and they don't know what happened. That's, that's kind of what I felt like going into this, so it was very uh, unawarewolf. 
Uh, I'd like to add a, a little piece to that story that might be revelatory for you, Dave, since you were uh, in werewolf mode last week. Um, when we said, uh, yeah, it's uh, Trent and Kat's uh, week coming up, and uh, we said uh, we're, we're going to do uh, werewolves, you said ginger snaps. I knew it. Like I that. knew it. So, I knew it. That, but that only yeah, reinforced, we had already chosen ginger snaps. You have it but then recorded. that reinforced it. You have it recorded. I, I well not anymore. It's like but the I zombie did. episode, man. We can't we can't there's certain episodes we have to stay away from, the ones where the nature overtakes your body. Uh, I'm very susceptible to that. Yeah, you are. Here's the thing. I feel like if I had seen this film as a young adolescent woman, I would have really connected with it. Like I did the craft, like I did probably some other movies my little goth heart would have eaten that shit up i probably would have made a suicide pact with someone uh my imaginary friend i'm not really sure i didn't have a lot uh but i just couldn't i was just i was just annoyed as soon as i saw those girls just start like being fucking catty i was like fuck i don't fucking care i'm I sick like of these i was girls. friends with girls like that in high school i was not because they were mean to me <laughs> anyway um, the period thing was, I don't know, I thought that part was kind of funny, because it was like, oh, it's fine, it's just, she's becoming a woman. No, she's becoming a fucking werewolf. You're gonna blame that on the uterus shedding its lining? No, ma'am. Not today. But, I don't know, I, maybe, uh, sometimes, I just started my period, so I feel like it's kind of cool that now we're talking about the werewolves and the moons and phases and stuff. I feel very in sync. I feel very in tune with the moon and the tides. Perhaps my PMSing could be mistaken for uh, me becoming a carnivorous monster. I don't know. You guys will have to tell me. Yeah, we I, can't tell you anything about periods. I love that the, t the tagline of Ginger Snaps is, they don't call it the curse for nothing. Oh, um, no, maybe it's that's not. Why, yeah, maybe that's why I liked it so much, because I did see it as a young goth girl. Uh, going through <laughs> puberty, and I guess it stuck with me all these years. I'm a sucker for, uh, I love coming-of-age horror metaphors. Yes. Um, usually, sure. with this type of movie, it would be like a young man, and he would be the werewolf, and it would be some metaphor for his puberty yeah. and his coming-of-age stuff. And so I thought that was an interesting twist to uh, to put it on these two sisters and the rivalry that develops between them as they're both sort of growing up and coming of age, as it were, and like making different friends and maybe they have different interests. And now Ginger is quote unquote doing drugs with guys and she doesn't want to hang out with Bridget. Now Bridget's making friends with a drug dealer and they're both kind of resenting each other just for growing up. I thought that was an interesting sort of spin. I thought this was low dangling fruit that cat, like if you want to make friends with cat, this is catnip. <laughs> I thought this was like, she would go right for it. She would love it. We'd all be best friends, high-fiving. And then here we here, are. Here's the, but I wanted to here, tell you guys a story. We were talking about tragedy. the period thing. Well, hold oh, sorry, on. Dave. I was still talking. I'm sorry. That's the biggest You're tragedy. very quiet. Oh, sorry. Weird story to tell really loud, but I'll do it. <laughs> uh, about a month ago, I wanted to watch a horror movie, as per usual. And uh, my daughter was like, hey, can we watch the, the movie Emma? And I'm like, Sure, I actually, period pieces are my favorite kind of movie. And she got up and she goes over to her room and slams the door. And I'm like, what the hell? 
And I realized that it was because she thought that a movie that was a period piece movie was a movie for girls on their periods. And I was oh. somehow. Oh, God. And I was like, I just love literary classics. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, that's interesting because I've never heard you mention period pieces or recommend. Well, my dog's name is Queen Elizabeth. It sure is. After the crown. I, I like, you know, I just like the the big elaborate sets and all that stuff. I love uh, Elizabeth, uh, the movie with Kate Blanchett. Hmm. You guys seen that? It's like, it's no, no idea. pretty terrifying. Sounds no, too white. No clue. It's very white. <laughs> you could go watch the Ginger Snaps prequel, which is a period piece. Maybe I would have liked it more if I wasn't on my period when I watched it. Maybe it just, you know, maybe I just maybe wasn't if we weren't ready trying to, to manipulate cats' feelings and we just picked late phases I, instead, we would have been fine. I would have been golden instead of reliving my fucking adolescence. <laughs> I have four Ginger Snaps shirts to to deliver <laughs> this week, and I I feel like cat you just gonna take have to be left out. Caitlin likes Ginger Snaps. I want the shirt. I no, don't. No, I no, want no, the no, shirt. no, 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 no. I'll drop it at like a Goodwill, no. and I'll let you guess. And you can like, I'll be like, no, okay, we on Wednesday, cat. I'm dropping it at a Goodwill. You can go. Fuck y'all. No. I watched it. Okay. You're it's not wearing. Not like if it's... I see you wearing the shirt, I am gonna throw paint on you in public and scream at you. <laughs> it wasn't. You. Listen, it wasn't my least favorite movie. I just thought it was kind of lame. I just thought I was gonna like it more. All right. I like that you have so the hot we. take. This you deserve to have the hot take. Controversy. Thank you. Me and my uterus need this hot, red hot take. Provocateur. Yeah, I didn't like Dude. Chud, and like, and I, I said it explicitly through the entire episode that I didn't like Chud, and Kevin was still like, "I got your Chud shirt, bro." Oh, that's true. So yeah. I mean, if you're gonna, you <laughs> know, some sexism <laughs> happening on this podcast. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, thanks." That one I panned for an hour. Thank you. You've been wearing it. I have. I. T- you're a fucking poser. I'm not going to turn down a t-shirt. I'll wear anything. Wear those Leprechaun Four shirts. Oh no, we're getting we're getting Leprechaun Four tattoos. I already made I already made an appointment. <laughs> if if some b- really bad band gives me their shirt, and I absolutely hate their band, but it's a cool shirt, I still rock it. Oh yeah, hell yeah, fair. I hate when people ask you all about like if you're wearing something with an insignia on it, like you're supposed to be the expert and salesman for whatever that insignia is, like. I, right. I don't know. I mean, right. I just swastikas. It's just a shirt. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> is, what that right? like. is that right, skinhead? You have a lot of problems with that. <laughs> I just like the the German Iron Cross. All right? I just it's like cool the design. design. <laughs> my dad, my dad collects. Okay. It's a Give Buddhist the... symbol. I'm no. Taking it back. No, no you're not, sir. Oh. Um. Well, listen, Ginger Snaps, I think, as different as it is from your typical werewolf fare, they do a lot of classic stuff. They hew pretty closely to, um, you know, cinematic werewolf lore. You have one of the most important scenes in any werewolf movie. You have to go to the library or the occult bookstore, and you got to get a whole bunch of books on werewolves because Lord knows we don't know anything about werewolves. you got to really do some research to find out that... Uh, uh, silver can hurt them. Uh, there's uh, maybe a plant or something like what? What don't Why we isn't know? the government and the police read these books before we have to go? <laughs> I, I and think, find though, them. the best part of this you know, is maybe- like a lot of times it's like a really serious character going and trying to do the research, and this time it's just the local fucking drug dealer. And he's like, Oh, I hit the werewolf with my van, I might as well go look. And he like knows the word lycanthrope, it's like 
constantly badgering Bridget, like, well, I don't know. What did you see? I saw lycanthrope. And he keeps saying the word, the word lycanthrope that way. And it's just some stoner who happens to work and live at the local greenhouse or something. And likes, That's his weed greenhouse. Yeah, and likes to have like younger girls come back there for consultations on the supernatural. I thought that was funny because um, he was just a big geek. He was like the cool drug dealer guy, but really he's just like a comic book guy who won't say a werewolf. He has to say lycanthrope every time. Well, and you're talking like like typical like werewolf tropes, but this movie almost took like the late 90s slasher and dropped a, a prototypical cast for something like that into a werewolf movie. So you have the female roles, you have the mean girl, you have the smoldering, drug-dealing, you know, mysterious guy. You have... You thought he smoldered, huh? <laughs> you have uh, Jeff, uh, who is played by Jesse Moss, who keeps Jeff. coming up on this fucking show. He was also the bad guy in Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Uh, so you have, like, all the characters. But my favorite character in the entire movie, other than Emily Perkins as Bridget, she's, she's my favorite character, but Mimi Rogers is mom is Pamela, and right. she kills it. And I love that you have, like, so many examples of teenage angst, but you kind of, like, realize at some point during the movie that the girls have never once referred to her as mom. They call her Pam or Pamela. Yeah, I love <laughs> like, that. Yeah. <laughs> I just love, like, the, the high school, like, ecosystem that in all these movies have, like, the same kind of characters that play each one, but they're like totally essential. You know, always have like the guy with the spiked hair who's like the douchebag. Hey, hey, easy now. <laughs> you pull it off, Kevin. Yeah, you look I, great. Look, I figured out a haircut that worked when I was 18. I just stuck with it. <laughs> I stand correct. I was kind of grossed out by the tail. At one point, uh, Ginger starts growing yeah. a tail. Yeah. Yes. 100%. That was nasty. Well, in the dude's tail, like the, like, Ginger yeah. has an unfortunate encounter with Jeff. Full moon. Yeah, and he ends up with a, a tail. Yeah, it's you. You you know what? You could drop this cast into like Scream Five. I know what you did last summer. It basically took like your stereotypical cast of characters and just dropped it into a Canadian werewolf movie. All, and I'm not even saying that in a bad way. I still love this flick. That's why I was surprised that I liked it, because I don't like any other movies in this style. Really, this like super meta movies of that era yeah another thing that this did differently with the werewolf is that usually the big money scene in any werewolf movie is the transformation scene and it usually happens pretty much at one time you have the character might be realizing that something's off but you know the full moon hits and they turn into a werewolf in this movie the transformation is gradual from the time she's bitten like all the way through to the end so she doesn't achieve like full wolf form until the very end of the movie. I thought that was a cool way to do it. I'm not sure I've seen it um, done quite like that before. That was the point where I was like, when she was in the in the bathroom with her sister and they're looking at the, the hair on her scars, where her scars were, and there's like this white hair coming out. <laughs> and all of a sudden she's like, oh my God, I can't be having like chest hair. What's going on? Like this whole time you've wanted to be so different. Like, if you were really that, you know, much of a, you know, contrarian to the norm, you would be psyched to have white chest hair in lines across your shoulder. That's You'd a good point. She's a poser. Fucking poser. Like Trent wearing his chud shirt. <laughs> oh! 
Hey, can somebody tell me what a gaunch is? Did anybody catch that line? Undies. Oh, I did. Yeah, but she was on the fence. She was like, you can see your gaunch. Yeah, I can see your gaunch. What is what it's, is a, it? it's underwear. Like yeah. It's underwear. I thought it was like cankles or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like one of those words, like fupa. It's a Canadian slang. Fupa. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, something like that. Canadian it's not underwear, Kevin. I don't think gaunch means underwear. No, I think gaunch would be like a taint. Yeah, but you couldn't. Area. A taint. Yeah, that would be my guess. It's a the Canadian gaunch. slang. Should we ask a. It might be Canadian. Yeah. Cronenberg. Are we going to ask? A, yes. I felt Our there was Canadian one point where I had felt like the taint didn't have enough other terms for it and i was trying to uh i was trying to uh, get the word yoch yoch that's i like that oh no no maybe the yoch was for the urethra mm. the male urethra was the the yoch i forgot what the taint was renamed <laughs> but we could use more words for those kind of things because I the don't... vagina and the dick have tons of words no it's really it's really underwear a simple a simple google search will show you that it's just underwear <sighs> well thank you oh, Kevin. Well, the thank fun you Kevin. out of Kevin. it I don't have time to be, you know, running all kinds of searches. Your search history is fucked already. already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Without adding, like, taint thesaurus to it. From my work phone. <laughs> oh! All right, let's do the rundown of Ginger Snaps info. First and foremost, I mentioned Emily Perkins playing Bridget, the younger sister. Interestingly enough, she was actually four years older than Catherine Isabel, who played Ginger and was cast as the younger sister. You might remember Emily Perkins from the young Beverly Marsh in the original Stephen King's It series. Also, I want to give a shout out. Trent mentioned John Fawcett directed this movie. He's also known for some Orphan Black for a movie called The Dark, which was terrible. But he wanted a female-centric werewolf story, so that's why he brought Karen Walton, who Trent also mentioned, as a writer. Because uh, he was very reluctant of horror's treatment of women. They actually wrote this in 1998, but had trouble getting financing for it. So it wasn't until 2000 when it actually finally got made. This was a $4.5 million budget that bombed at the box office, making a whopping $600,000, of which I contributed, I don't know, 10 bucks to. But it had massive DVD sales. That's why we got Ginger Snaps Back, a sequel which follows the events of Ginger Snaps. And then we got Ginger Snaps, like the beginning or something, which is a prequel set in like the 1800s. Interesting things about Emily Perkins and Catherine Isabel's castings. Uh, they, this, they actually... Hold on, sorry. Oh. Catherine... Interesting things about Emily Perkins and Catherine Isabel's casting. They were born in the same hospital... They went to the same preschool, elementary and private schools, and they were at the same agency at the time, but they had never met because they were four years apart. And they cast at the exact same time amongst hundreds of people going for these roles, and they were immediately selected on the same day. I want to do a drop. You could put it in the little section before. You could put it in the beginning. If it goes... <laughs> Info dump. There's also, for those of you who like Ginger Snaps, unlike Cat, there is... As of 2020, there is a television series in development for uh, Ginger Snaps. Prime prime television series material, yeah. I would say. Vampire Diaries vibe. I'll miss it. Oh, Supernatural. Also, we also didn't talk about, uh, is this the movie that Ted Raimi is like in like the very beginning of? Um, he was in the beginning of... Uh, Candyman. I don't know if oh, he's Candyman. in the beginning Oh, Candyman. Okay, that's well. what I was... There, there's a Raimi okay. tie to this. Like, uh... 
Oh, uh, John Fawcett, the director, actually did a bunch of Xena Warrior Princess episodes, which Ted Raimi was in and Sam Raimi executive produced. Uh, their names are called at the school when the students are being paged. And the voice that is calling the students to the office is Lucy Lawless from Xena. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Info dump. Sorry. Thank you, Kevin. After a long way from home, can't sleep at night. Grab your telephone. Something just ain't right. That's evil. Evil is going on wrong. I am warning your brother. You better watch your happy home. sleep at all you'll know another mule is kicking in your stall that's evil evil is going on wrong I have your brother you better watch your Trent uh, what did you pick this week what, what do you got for us Thank you Kat uh, we're gonna fast forward about 20 years from ginger snaps to last year's the Wolf of Snow Hollow. This was just released in October of 2020. It's a rental right now, and it's still a little bit new rental price up there, about $6. I think it's well worth it. This was written, directed, produced by, and starring Jim Cummings, the man who can apparently do it all. I'm in awe of this guy's talent. Uh, the Wolf of Snow Hollow is about a small-town sheriff's deputy named John, he works the uh, sleepy ski resort town of Snow Hollow. He has uh, is a single parent with shared custody of one teenage daughter. He is a recovering alcoholic, and his dad just happens to be sheriff of Snow Hollow. You get the feeling that not much goes on in this town in the way of law enforcement. That is until bodies start turning up, ripped limb from limb. Nobody knows what's going on. Is it an animal? Is it a psychopath? John is tasked with finding out. This is a very quirky black comedy horror. I would liken it to a Fargo with werewolves. Big fan of this movie. Watched it a couple times. Um, I absolutely loved it. Kevin, what did you think of this? I loved it. I was psyched you picked it. I, I, I uh, checked this out when I was rolling through the best of 2020 horror movies and this was at the top of a lot of people's lists i thought it was great and i had no idea when i watched the first time that jim cummings was the writer director producer and the star of it so that was fun to watch it again when you picked it to sort of watch it through that lens like this guy's doing all of that and then to look into his history a little bit i love the cast i love the dad that you meant the sheriff you know they got robert forster somehow to do this which this actually i believe was his last role before he passed away r.i.p probably killed him i love ricky lindholm who was <laughs> officer julia robeson um she's done a lot of stuff like dave she was in knives out uh, last year, she was Sadie in the 2009 Last House on the Left remake. Love that actress. But what I love the most about this is is what you just said, Trent. It's a black comedy, and I really think for such a dry and quirky comedic movie, a lot of those miss me. And this one did not. Like I was fascinated the whole time how he injected comedy into really awkward situations. 
and I loved the 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 relationship. You mentioned the teenage daughter. That hits pretty close to home for me right now, and I thought that was played very very well. Uh, I also thought that the editing was great, going back and forth between real time and past scenes of what they're dealing with in real time. Um, the only criticism I would have is the pacing of, of maybe the third act, but the finale more than made up for that for me. I, I love this movie. I would highly recommend it. I thought this movie was great. I really loved the dialogue. I thought it was super funny. I loved like the whole one cop versus everyone else thing that Joe had going on. He just like kept being like, it's a man. A man did this. You idiots. Like he was just so good at burning people. I think that was my favorite part is all the sick burns from yeah, him. Yes. I just loved it. Um, it had some nice gory parts, which I always enjoy. Uh, but then it also kind of got real with his alcoholism, like especially the scenes with like his teenage daughter kind of situation. Um, that kind of got me a little emotional, which I wasn't expecting. I don't like to get emotional. I'm a crier. I think we all know that. Uh, so I wasn't expecting that from all the setup that we experienced before. But I thought the acting was really great. I thought the production was great. Um, the werewolf itself was really cool. Like, it was just like, it looked way better than fucking Ginger Snaps. Um, this is definitely one of my new favorites. Uh, I'm definitely going to watch it again, make everyone else watch it, be drunk at a party, be like, everyone, quick, what, let me just throw this one on real quick. Um, and I really want this uh, writer, director, producer, star, daddy of the week uh, to come through with some more films. I'm excited for that. Don't invite me to your party, please. You got it. Here we go. I think the fact that this guy directs, produces, does the soundtrack does everybody's makeup what <laughs> caters the whole fucking thing i think that makes him more of a boisterous dick than his than he portrays in the movie it oh. makes me feel like he's like that anyway i thought his character was this really obnoxious like really campy acting i thought all the acting was very campy i think to compare it to like fargo is like sacrilege that's like so terrible like there's so many amateur looking moments in this movie and i hated the dialogue um it wasn't for me um it was super influenced by scooby-doo the more i talk about horror movies i realize that that is the goat of all horror movie stories well sure is scooby-doo they made this formula that has just gone on and i don't think they get enough credit in the horror world shout out Daphne. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding. What? <laughs> there it is. But you know, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't like this movie. I don't know if it was the situation. Um, sometimes, if I watch movies in HD, it like breaks uh, some sort of like I can like tell it's a set, and everyone looks like they're acting, and it's like really transparent to me. I don't know what it is. Maybe because I grew up in like the '70s and '80s, but um, I, I really didn't like it. I'm not terribly cool. surprised. I didn't think you were going to like this, Dave. I had a feeling that you were going to be the pan on this one. And I get it. It's quirky. It's very... And I'm not always the biggest fan of, of horror comedy. In fact, I tend to avoid them. I've probably watched more horror comedy in the past year just from doing this podcast than I would ever normally watch. But something about this... I See, I loved 
the acting. I loved Jim Cummings' acting. Uh, I loved his whole, like, restrained, boiling, alcoholic anger at all times. I loved the way he would, like, close his eyes and just, like, he's so mad. He just is trying to get through this. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought Robert Forster was amazing. I thought the scenes with, with John and his daughter were just absolutely harrowing. There's a whole scene where... Uh, he's John has fallen off the wagon, and he's just like crying, belligerent, crazy drunk, and his teenage daughter has to put him to bed, and then she's mm-hmm. crying because he's acting like such a lunatic. Um, I thought there were a lot of really powerful scenes in this, and it takes the the sort of the werewolf metaphor a little bit further than some like. There could have been more werewolf in this for sure, but I didn't mind that. I just I thought it was such a good story, and um, you know we've sort of seen it done before. I listened to an interview with Jim Cummings where he was talking about the idea of using the the cycle of the wolf and the the full moon. The thing about werewolves is they usually don't want to be werewolves. There, there's always like all this regret every time they lose control and go on a rampage and uh, rip a bunch of throats you. out, and then they're like, oh, tie me in the basement, and he. Uh, Cummings was saying that, you know, he thought it was interesting to to put that idea together with the alcoholic and the the bender and the regret and the recovery and and all that stuff. Uh, But if you listen to Speak All Evil, you know that was just done in Wolf Cop. So uh, I guess Jim Cummings maybe isn't totally up on his genre horror. He could maybe tune in to the show here a little bit and maybe he would have known he wasn't the first to think of that. Uh, But I still loved it. I, I, I like that angle a lot, actually. Kat mentioned the alcoholism, Trent, your point that you just made. I love how, you know, he he didn't want to see a monster inside of him, and it really drove his blindness right. to the investigation where he was just like, it's just a man, and we'll get him. And I think most of that was, was Cummings trying to say, you know, like, I don't want to admit that there's a monster inside of me, so th- this has to just be a man. Like, you know, there can't be real monsters out there. I cannot deal with that right now. Um, and I also loved, you mentioned Robert Forster, who's so good in this, um, and he does kind of disappear a little ways through the movie, which makes me think that, yes, he, he may have passed away. But the father-son play, I think, upon a second watch of this, comes through really, really strong. And it wasn't something that I was paying attention to the first time because, you know, you're actually trying to keep up with, with Cummings, with John Marshall, and be like, okay, what is it? What is it? How are they going to find it? And you kind of miss some of the really subtle and, and really impactful moments that that uh, Cummings and Forster have together. There's a really strong, like, father-son, and then an even more subtle where's the mom storyline going on with his character, too. I mean, he, he piles it on himself in this movie pretty hard and i think he does a really good job uh navigating all of the different emotional storylines well if he does his own stunts i would respect that because there's the moment where uh he like passes out drunk on the dishwasher and he like falls and like bounces off it which would like i I was like oh man that looks like it hurts but if he did his own stunts and i kind of respect that well, knowing what you said about him, you said that he probably does every single thing on the movie and it makes you hate him. It would probably fall into your narrative that the one thing he doesn't do is his own stunts. Uh, well, um, I want to talk a little bit about how they, they wrap this whole thing up with just introducing some new character that you have no connection to. He's just, oh, it's this guy. He's, he's uh, the one. I think... That guy's in the movie a couple times. 
He is. But before it's that. not established. Like he has, you have no connection to him at all. You, I opinion. will say the only thing that I had criticism with was that why is he doing this kind of a situation? Right. No explanation. You know? yeah. yeah, it's just kind of like he did it and then the movie's over and it's like, okay, but like how did he do it? Why did he do it? Kind of a situation. Not what the movie was going for. Oh, 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 oh. I really like well, the time play in this, and it's not a situation of flashbacks or flash right. forwards necessarily, but there are a lot of scenes in they that depict things happening sort of simultaneously, but they're not like the, the they're going back and forth between two things that are happening, and the times are changing back and forth like it's speeding up one sequence is getting a little bit ahead of the other sequence, and some of the the wolf murders. Are, are done that way where you're seeing people reacting to, you're seeing the cops and John, other people reacting to the fallout uh, of the murders. But then at the same time, it's while it's also showing you the attacks playing out. I thought that was a really cool way to do it. It sort of kept me interested in the story and I, I liked what, it, what that did to the pace of it. I think it's probably the best part of this movie is that editing in terms of like cinematic presentation and how they're unfolding the story. That, that is my favorite. And a lot of times that can make or break a movie. That could really bother you or distract you or confuse you. That, that's what bothered me in this. I think a lot of the, the shots would look very amateurish to me. Mm, I don't know. I mean, there's, that, there's the death of the ski instructor where they're cutting back and forth from the crime scene to what she went through, and then they have that scene where the wolf stands up and shows you how tall it is that I, I just love it. Love it. I thought it looked brilliant. I thought the attack on Jenna and her boyfriend in the car was probably the scariest attack. That was pretty effective to me where the werewolf is just like going ham on the little Jeep the, the teens are making out. And then uh, when, when John does show up, he just proceeds to shoot every single car on the street, <laughs> like trying to get the werewolf just right down the line. Takes Takes all the parked cars out. And then it's and then again, like I was saying, the the relationship between Jenna and John, it, you know, she falls out of the jeep, cracks her head on the pavement, and he's just super pissed at her. And she's like, "Fuck you, Dad! Take me to the hospital!" Like, just gets in the car. And I'm like, "But wait, the wolf just went that way. Like, you know, why aren't you now running down the street with your shotgun trying to catch the wolf?" Uh, it was. I thought that was a, an interesting parental moment. I mean, the the problem I had. Is that like? Oh, yeah, I mean, what is this like? We just spoil every movie now. Every week, we just say the end of the movie. <laughs> and the werewolf was not. Would not have been going like. I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand. It's not that scary. Uh, well, I mean, I think sometimes, hey. Super strength can happen. Uh, werewolves, you know, by lore, have uh, superhuman strength. I mean, Ugh. you know, I don't, I don't know if you, you You're can put everything. People. You're you can put everything people. under a microscope. I mean, uh, Scooby Doo. Uh, you don't really want to follow the logic too closely, or you you lose the spell. I think uh, once again, you're in the library here. John has to go 
look up very basic things about werewolves. He's never heard of one before. He doesn't know about the full moon and the silver bullets and all that, apparently. Mm. Somehow, he's never seen a werewolf movie. So you have that in here. Never seen Scooby-Doo. Very true. (laughs) Apparently not. There was that really funny quote when he was in the library. He's like, hey, uh, just a heads up. If anyone ever just checks out a bunch of spooky shit, maybe don't sneak up on him in a fucking library. I mean, the humor is on point. Like, he's basically telling the librarian, it. like, if it, if if it was any other cop other than me. That'd be lights out for Ray. That's <laughs> he's actually, yes. he's actually drunk. Yes. He's been, like, drinking. He's at the library getting hammered, which is why he passes out. At that point in the movie, he's very wolf cop drunk the whole time with the oh, flask God. and the coffee. Can you stop comparing this to iconic movies like Wolf Cop and Fargo? It's kind of like, this is basically like Wolf Cop no. goes to Fargo. <laughs> I just told you not to do that. You just did it. You should go on IMDb and leave that review. Five stars or ten out of ten. Wolf Cop meets Fargo. I want to do. I just want to keep doing werewolf movies. Believe me. I mean, there's many more. We, we, one of you guys. None of you guys have seen Late Phases, right? No. I've seen Late Phases. Late Phases is good. Yeah, it's not what we're talking about mm. this week. If it was your week, you could have picked it. Sequel coming up. Um, should, should have made this favorite, a two-parter. Uh, one of my favorite Forrester moments in this is when, after the first murder, he's getting blown up. Everybody is all in a tizzy about this. And he looks at his email, and he's like, Christ, I got 11 emails about this already. This is worse than my birthday. <laughs> yeah, he's so good in this. And uh, it was literally like a friend of one of the co-producers like knew somebody that knew him. So they sent him a script, like ju- purely joking. Like, there's no way Robert Forster is going to like take this. We're, we're expecting a hard no. And they absolutely shit their pants when he came back and said, yeah, I love this. I love the relationship between the father and son. Like, I'll do this. Well, Jim Cummings has a new movie premiering this month, <gasps> March. Uh, I think it's premiering at the Berlin Festival. It's called The Beta Test. And it's a, a horror thriller that he is co-directing with someone else making their directorial debut. So I'll be interested to check out the beta test. Hmm, someone else sounds promising. You son of a bitch. Kevin, this is a pretty new one to have a trivia rundown. You got anything for us on this? Nah, I pretty much laid it all out there during the actual conversation. There hasn't been much time to accumulate trivia on such a fresh kill as this. A little Ooh. bit too new. Cat, uh, when's the next full moon? You're all, you, you're all about the full moon. I have yesterday. some suspicions. About what? Mm. Oh, was it? It was last night, yep. Technically mm. this morning at 3.17 a.m. Wow. That's very specific. Thank you. Did, you. did you get your bath in? Fuck yeah, I did. Did you notice any new Gonna be any new tune. hairs or anything? Any bleeding? Oh, I noticed some bleeding. Oh, right. You already, yeah. Under werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> gaunch. <laughs> My gaunch was uh, uh, quite a... Nope, I'm Staunch. just done. Staunch. Staunch. Fuck this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>